Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Colleen Keating, CEO of First Key Homes. After an extremely successful career in the hotel business, Colleen recently made the move to the home rental segment of the hospitality industry. So I'm looking forward to learning more about that from her. Colleen, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, Brian, it's my pleasure and nice to spend some time with you this morning. Oh, thank you. So, so listen, you were extremely, as I noted earlier, successful in the hotel industry. You started, I believe, in sales, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Worked your way up to very big leadership roles within global companies. So I'd like to uh, kind of just kick off and how did you get into the hospitality field? I know you've got, you went to university, but I don't think you went to university for hospitality, I don't think. No, but I, I will tell you, my college job was at Avis Rent-A-Car, and I worked either 3.30 in the afternoon to midnight or 4.30 in the afternoon to 1 o'clock in the morning, so I could take classes during the day. And I talked to the salesperson at Avis and said, hey, who negotiates all these corporate accounts? I think I want to do that. And he said, well, there's only one of me in all of the Northeast, but hotels have salespeople that do this too. And he pointed me in the direction of, of the hotel industry. And I got my first job in hotel sales and then the rest was history. Now it started with, it started with Avis Renicar. That's, that's cool. The now, so in my research, I call it research. You may call it stalking, but am I right in saying that ocean properties in Waterbury, Connecticut was where it all kicked off? Actually, where it started was at Bradley Airport in in Connecticut, just north of Hartford, Connecticut. And that's where I had my first sales role and my first director of sales role. Those hotels at the time, they, they are no longer, but they were owned by the Saunders family from Boston. And it was Saunders Hotels Group and, and Jeffrey and Gary Saunders who gave me my very first job in the hotel industry. And then I moved from there after several years to open a hotel in Waterbury, Connecticut. And that's where I, I had the opportunity to work with Ocean Properties and have, you know, have, have crossed paths with, with Mike Walsh since then. So that's been really nice. Wow. Yeah. For those of the, the listeners, Waterbury, Connecticut is, in my opinion, the home of the longest standing highway construction project ever. I mean, I moved here to Ridgefield in 06. And I drive back and forth to Hartford International Airport every week, it seems. And that construction project is still going on to this day. 
and it's amazing to me. So that's what I think Waterbury, Connecticut's famous for. But so you were able to start through the sales and then that was, was that really the passion as, as you were going yeah, through? So, you know, so initially and, and kind of what inspired that passion was been, when I was in high school, I got involved with junior achievement and I was the vice president of sales for my, my junior achievement company and got to attend some seminars and, you know, even in high school, some collegiate level seminars and through, through junior achievement. And that really inspired my passion, kind of inspired my passion for sales. And then when I got, you know, got started working with Avis Rent-A-Car, that's where I really kind of got turned on to kind of travel, travel tourism, and then the segue into hospitality. I'll tell you, you know, when I was at Ocean Properties in Waterbury, Connecticut, I left because I was engaged and I was moving to get married to my now, my now husband. And Mike Walsh, you know, at the time said to me, oh, he's like, don't move to get married. He's like, I know a lot of nice guys. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny when you know, fast forward, like 20 something years later, he did my introduction at the IHG America's conference, owner's conference a couple of years ago. And, and I told that story and, you know, there he, there he was, we were working together again because he had a number of IHG hotels. So it's, you know, it's a small industry, but it was the right move. At, it's, it was the right move at the right time. I'm, I just celebrated 30 years with, with my husband last October. So. Wow. Congratulations. Decision, but that, you know, that move brought me to the Midwest and I worked in, I worked in Detroit or the Detroit area initially for Omni. And then I spent about four or five years, four years, I guess, with Ritz Carlton in the Midwest and in Dearborn, Michigan, after I left Ocean Properties. And, you know, the, a lot of the, the learnings from Ritz Carlton really about kind of passion for service and very guest centric has kind of carried through as a theme really kind of throughout my hospitality career. And then from there, I moved to Geneva Lakes Resorts. And there I had a central sales office that supported four resort properties, independent resorts, seasonal. So, you know, really, really good experience there. And then, and then came back to the, to the Northeast for really, you know, a good part of my thirties and forties. And when I came back to the Northeast, that was where I, you know, initially joined Carpionato properties, which was in Rhode Island, and then, then joined Starwood and then spent 17 years with, with Starwood, which is where you and I met. Exactly. Um, and you know, you're one of the lucky ones in that, you know, those of us who weren't very good at our jobs, we had to like bounce around city to city, to city, to city. You were very fortunate. Realistically, you've been able to prior to the move down to Atlanta and we'll get into that. Yeah. But prior to that move, you were very lucky to have really the Northeast New England and and really Michigan, I guess, is the two places that you built your career, whereas some of us, you know, they just kept kicking us out. We kept having <laughs> to find new jobs all the time. So that was kind of cool um, and, and very fortunate. There's not many people that have that. And especially in our career in hotels, typically you're moving all over the place. So when did you make the big move from sales into a GM role? Because and ha and how did that go? Yeah, so. Um, love to touch on that. I was at the Westin Providence and it was managed by Starwood at the time. And I had a new vice president of operations, a guy named Larry Trainer came into the region. And, you know, interestingly, the GM I worked for at the Western Prov Providence was a guy named Carlos Molinet. 
and he gave me this brick. I'm going to show you the brick because I still carry, I have it on my desk today. I've had it for years. And it says, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? And, and he was the one who really kind of encouraged me to think about moving into a general manager role. And yet I knew I loved kind of owning my function. And I, you know, I was a director of sales and marketing. I loved leading a team and I, I thought I had the best, you know, kind of the best job in the hotel and we were converting to the heavenly bed. So if you remember when, you know, Weston kind of revolutionized hotel bedding with the, with the heavenly bed and I forget how many layers of comfort it was, but it was a lot of layers of comfort, right? It yes. was a lot of sheets and a lot of duvets and duvet covers and everything was white. And, um, you know, I was a working mom at the time. So sometimes I would go into the office. This was before everybody carried a laptop and you could remote in from anywhere. I would go in sometimes on Sunday morning if I needed some catch up time so that I could, you know, during the week be home at a more often than not at a relatively, you know, moderate time and then, and then have some time to catch up. So anyway, Sunday morning was my catch up time into the office. I went and there were, I walked through the heart of the house and there were mounds and mounds of linen as far as the eye could see. And I walked by the laundry and the team was in the laundry and they were just, it, it just looked like, I mean, we all love a sense of accomplishment with what we're doing. And I thought, oh my gosh, these piles are never ending. They're working so hard and they're probably feeling like the pile never gets diminished. So anyway, I walked into the laundry and I said, hey, can I help? And they said, sure. And I did laundry that Sunday. And I just remember really being just inspired to work side by side with all of those attendants that were working in the laundry that day. And, you know, I thought about what kind of what Carlos had said about what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? I had a couple other inspirations along the way. And I remember that day thinking, you know, I would love to work side by side with a broader team. Not that I didn't as a director of sales, but, but really get more um, deeply involved in operations. And I thought, you know what, I think I would love to be a GM. And, you know, that was one of the turning points. And then I mentioned, you know, this new vice president had started Larry Trainer, And one thing Larry respected was a person who knew their numbers. And we had our first intro meeting and I knew my numbers. And he said to me, he said, so you want to be a GM? And I said, I do. And uh, he gave me the, he gave me that first shot, you know, moving into a GM role. And, you know, I remember that day, I remember driving up, I was, I went to the Sheraton Needham. I was driving up the highway first day of work. And, you know, I had never literally never really worked a day in my life in operations. Right. And <laughs> here I go, I kind of took a deep breath and, you know, it was, it was a great experience. It was like the first job that really kind of felt too big on me because it was the recognition that you know, everybody on that leadership team was going to have greater depth of experience in their functional area than I would. And it, you know, it was honestly, it was one of the best experiences of my career because it really taught me about the importance of having a blue ribbon team and aligning and engaging a team and really the role of a leader and in, in leading versus managing. So it was a great experience. And then from there, you know, Denise Call came in as our vice president and she She's been one of the, you know, I'm going to miss names along the way here, which is always <laughs> a big danger, but one of the more, you know, more impactful leaders of my career really modeled a lot of the leadership behaviors that I wanted to emulate. And 
and boy, she was a person who I, I think, you know, one of her gifts as a leader is she, you know, she inspires people's confidence and helps people become kind of the best version of themselves. And uh, under her leadership, I had the opportunity to get exposed to uh, some new owners and, and then be considered for, you know, for a, a bigger role as a, as an area managing director. And I went to the, to the Western Waltham, kind of ran a suburban Boston portfolio of hotels. And, and that move actually was, you know, really supported by another great leader who's Steve Foster. And, you know, when Steve Foster came in and, and he became my, my boss after Denise moved to a corporate role, you know, Steve was wonderful too. And, and one of Steve's gifts as a leader is I felt like he always invited me to sit at a table that was bigger than my own. He was, you know, super inclusive very supportive of giving me opportunities. So, you know, I had, a, had another move there. And then after Waltham and running kind of the New England area suburban hotels, I got tapped to go to the Sheridan Boston. And I remember it was as Bob Hermony was coming in as the, uh, as the senior vice president of the region. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, you know, that, that hotel, it's the largest hotel in New England. It's such a beast. And, you know, that ended up being also one of the, another wonderful, you know, kind of career opportunity. And I'll, you know, give a shout out to Bob, like Bob, Bob was great too. I think I got promoted four times in the nine and a half years I worked, I worked for Bob. So, you know, another great leader and opportunity to take, you know, jobs that were really stretch assignments. And then he, you know, he initially, after the move to the Sheridan Boston, promoted me to have all of New England, including the large hotels downtown as an, as an area managing director while I was running the Sheridan. And then when he got promoted to the corporate office, I got promoted to be his backfill, to be the senior vice president of Starwood's largest managed region. Yeah. So before we get there, because yep. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about that, let's go back to the legend known as Denise Cole. Yeah. Because I think anybody in our industry who touched, was touched by Denise, has very fond memories. And I always felt she was a very strong mentor for younger women coming up through the ranks. And as a father of two young ladies who were out there in the job market, one was silly enough to follow in our footsteps in the hotel business, but that's a issue for another day. How have you taken the learnings from her? I know you're very big on mentoring young ladies coming in you know, what kind of advice would you have for young ladies getting into the hospitality business that you've, you know, learned along the way? Because I know that's very important to you. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly Denise has been one of the most impactful mentors in my career. I think, you know, I think her, the leadership behaviors, how I always described her was that I always said, you know, Denise was not easy to work for. She was a pleasure to work for. And there's a difference. And I think, you know, she helped people, and I, I said this already, she helped people become a better version of themselves. You know, part of that mentorship, it was, it was giving time, it was giving feedback, and it was also kind of inclusion. So, you know, giving people the opportunity to stretch and grow, but it was not coddling. And, and I think that's a big part of, you know, helping people become a better version of themselves, right? It's all in there, but some, it takes the right leader to help sometimes bring it out. And that's what I try to do when, when I'm mentoring, honest conversations, abundant feedback, opportunities for stretch assignments. All of those things I think were part of, you know, part of Denise's, you know, her, her success equation. Mm -hmm. And I'll also say, I think she was very thoughtful about giving 
her time and mentorship to female leaders. And I know she mentored students at, you know, in the UMass Hospitality School and, and gave back to the community. I know she's very involved with Big Sisters in Boston. So so not not solely in hospitality. I also think, you know, she was a person who gave everybody a fair shake. And, you know, I, I try to be that I try to be that leader too. Yeah. Well, I think you exemplify it from what I've witnessed. So congrats on that. The so now you had as an what's called an EMD, an area managing director's role. You're kind of corporate, but you're kind of still in the field. And how did that transition go when you left the AMD into that SVP regional role go? How, what were some of the things you found? What were some of the challenges, the pitfalls? I know I was lucky that when I moved from property to corporate, I wasn't really corporate because I worked remote for the first five years. So I didn't feel corporate and I still felt kind of touching the field. So how did your transition go from leaving the field to that bonafide corporate role, especially in yours? Cause you were huge. Well, I'll tell you, I still feel like even today, I would say I never left the field and I lay my head on the pillow at night. And I still think like, you know, like a GM, like an operator, even in the business I'm in today. And that kind of, I think that kind of carried through even when I was, you know, into that, that senior vice president, the regional, first regional senior vice president role based out of the, the Stanford corporate office. I'll also say, you know, it, when I was the chief operating officer of the Americas for IHG, I flew 200,000 miles a year. I, I real, I recognize, I realize, and I would say it today in the job I'm in today, our work is you know, closer to where our guests or in now my case, my, the residents are right. And the, the team members who have the highest opportunity to touch guests. So spent a lot of, spent a lot of time in hotels, spent a lot of time in hotels, might be multiple hotels instead of, you know, a smaller, a smaller handful. I'll tell you a story. So when I was a GM in Needham, first time GM, I had Newton Wellesley hospital in the ballroom of my hotel big event. They had all their chiefs of all the departments in the hospital, lots of billable hours not being billed, right? That were sitting in my ballroom for their, their leadership day. And it was about 10 o'clock in the morning and the water went out. And my chief engineer was like, oh, there's a big water main break in the town of Needham. And, you know, we're not going to have water for hours. And I'm like, okay, so I know without water, I can't prepare food. I don't have, you know, sanitation facilities. I'm, I know I'm going to have to evacuate my hotel if I don't have water, right? And certainly people who run hospitals for a living, they know that too. So, you know, long story long, we called the town. We found out it was going to, it was a very bad water main break. It was going to take hours and hours like into the night to fix. So before I evacuated the hotel, I decided I'll get in my car and I'm going to drive to where the water main is broken because I wasn't getting enough information just calling, you know, the town offices. So I drove down, found where the water main break was and went and said, Hey, who's the foreman? Talked to the foreman. And I said, Hey, I run the Sheraton. I've got, you know, a couple hundred people in my hotel and I'm going to have to close the hotel if I don't have water soon. How soon do you think we'll have water? And he said, well, he's like, this is a really bad break. It's going to take till really late tonight. But he's like, you run that hotel. He goes, I can do this patch around and I can get <laughs> you know, this pipe to that pipe. He's like, and I can get you water within an hour. 
the moral of the story is that was my first GM job. The moral of the story is you got to go talk to the feet on the street. And if you really want to know what's going on. And I think that's true, whether I'm in the hotel, hotel industry as a senior vice president, I need to be in the hotel talking to the team members who are most directly touching the guests. And in my current role, I've got to be out in our markets talking to my team members who most directly inter interact with our residents. So that feet on the street mindset, and you heard that when we worked together, right? That was one of the well, yeah. pillars, right? Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring that up. I mean, we we like to think when we worked together, it was on the franchise ops team uh, yeah. for Starwood. Yeah. And I think you were leading a team down a direction that I think was revolutionary in terms of how to manage franchise operators. And it was all based about just that, feet on the street. And we were going out to whether it was individual properties or clusters of areas and really helping them use the Starwood tools and systems better so that they could better their properties if they so chose to do so. And it was all about getting out on the street with the people and with the franchise operators. And I know that's maybe not the norm with some other hotel operators, but I really felt that was exciting to, to do because I thought it was revolutionary how you were switching the whole franchise model and, and leading that team. So that feed on the street, now I see where it came from with the water main break. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I think we talked about, you know, in the franchise space, right? We talked a little bit about, you know, we our vernacular was coach versus cop. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, in 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 a franchise organization, there's a, a heavier emphasis on compliance. And certainly there needs to be a compliance component because you want to honor those franchise operators who are doing really great work and not let the brand be denigrated by someone who's not, you know, who's not upholding the brand standards. But generally, you know, we, I think we took the approach that, you know, that we wanted to be more coach than cop and that we really wanted to help and support, provide, help, help our franchisees avail themselves of the tools and resources that, that the brands brought and really kind of foster a spirit of partnership. So we saw our roles as, you know, as definitely more coach than cop. Yeah, no, I really loved that approach. And I know a lot of the franchise operators did. We were making some headway there until the very end, but it was always, I always felt like we left business unfinished, but you know, it was, it was not meant to be at that point, but who knows down the road. So there was a, there was a merger. Yes, yeah. there was a merger and we all moved on from that. So, and speaking of moving on, I want to spend, I want to be able to give you some time to talk about first key homes. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. I know you've been there, I think, for about two years as a CEO. And as I said in my intro, you know, it's a move. It's still all part of the hospitality industry. It's just a different segment. And it's always fun when you try something new and challenge yourself. And no wonder that brick is still on your on your desk because that's a challenge. So what is First Key Homes? What are you guys up to? What do you have going on in the future? And just as important, how did how did the change come about? You were COO at IHG, which for those who may not be hotel folks, it's an intercontinental hotel group. Yep. Um, and then you made the move to First Key. So tell us a little bit about how you were able to make that shift. 
Yeah. So I was approached by a recruiter and initially kind of said, no, not ready to make a move, not interested in making a move and really loved, loved my time at IHG and a great organization full of, you know, full of really great people, very, very warm and welcoming culture. So I, I really wasn't looking to make a move and I kind of felt like I wasn't ready to make a move yet. I, I knew that I wanted to, uh, I knew I wanted to be a CEO and lead a business where I had responsibility for, you know, the, the full span of the enterprise at some point in my career. And I also knew that if I were, excuse me, if I were leaving, if I were going to leave IHG, it would be some, it would be for something that would give me some stretch that I hadn't experienced before. So it would likely be outside of hospitality. And, you know, I was approached with this opportunity and, you know, again, initially said, no, no, no. And then through the persistence of the recruiter, finally agreed to just have a quick, you know, just an introductory conversation and sure. uh, went from there. But I'll tell you about the business. So First Key Homes is in the single family rental space, and we own and operate about 43,000 houses, individual single family rental homes throughout the Sunbelt West, some Midwest, so not all Sunbelt, but West, West, Midwest and Southwest and Southeast. And, you know, I think what attracted me to the space is, you know, I loved the, I loved the elements of hospitality that I thought could really translate well into the single family rental space. And I saw an opportunity here to really bring a very resident focused service philosophy really focused on resident experience to first key homes a lot of you know a lot of the learnings from hospitality are very applicable here and we aspire well you know today we aspire to be the leader in resident experience in you know in providing wonderful high quality single family homes for our family of residents and we offer a tremendous value proposition. You know, throughout the pandemic, we've seen people valuing lower density, people valuing more square footage, extra space. And when you think about our value proposition, we're offering uh, a single family home, typically, you know, at least three bedrooms, two bathrooms, often fenced back, fenced in backyards, you know, garages, private garages. And, you know, we're offering that typically at a, a, you know, very often a lower rent per square foot than a multifamily kind of apartment unit in the same geography. So it's a wonderful value proposition. And I'm also very, you know, I'm, I'm kind of honored. And I think it's a privilege that we, that we provide homes for families. So. And are you doing it? Is it short term, long term, midterm? Is it like, can you rent is are you renting them for a week are you renting or no, we're, we are not short-term rentals at all these are these are you know these are homes so typically you know our our average the average length that a resident is in one of our homes is is approaching three years but we're we're you know 12 to 12 or more month leases typically yeah. and again that average length of residency is you know is not quite three years but approaching three years wow that's awesome so so listen, um, it is Tuesday after all. So I wanted to uh, give you this opportunity to, I know you've mentioned a bunch of people 
already that have been instrumental in your career and shout out to Denise and Stephen, a nice fellow Canadian. Always got to get that Canadian thing in there. So would like to turn the platform over to you and, and who would you like to thank on this oh Tuesday? Gosh. I'm going to have a long list. So, no problem. You're so have at it. we touched on, you know, Jeffrey and Gary Saunders gave me my first opportunity in, in the hotel industry. You know, Mike Walsh at Ocean Properties, uh, really, you know, imp impactful leader in, in my, in my career. When I made the move to, to start, well, and then Fred Carpionato at, at Carpionato Properties when I went to Rhode Island. And then when I made the move to Starwood, one of my, one of my recruiters, one of the heavy recruiters was Ross Hosking. Yeah, really, really inspirational person who, you know, had me consider joining, joining Starwood. And when I initially kind of said no, he made that second phone call and said, really, come on. Ended up being a great decision. I talked about Carlos Molinay, who gave me the brick uh, and had me really think about becoming a GM. Larry Trainer, who recognized that I knew my numbers and was willing <laughs> to take a gamble on me and, you know, give me that first GM job. And then, you know, of course, Denise, I talked about her mentorship. And I mean, I, I'm still very much, you know, in touch and very, very much friends with her today. And then Steve Foster, kind of the the seat at the table, always, you know, wanting to like be inclusive and like, you should attend this. And Bob Hermony, who gave me, you know, several promotions to positions of greater responsibility. I'll talk about Fritz Van Passion for a minute too. He was the CEO at Starwood for a long time while I was there. You know, I also appreciated him. He always was a confidence builder. He loved to hear you know, if I was working on a Six Sigma project or, or really valued kind of that operations perspective. And he invited me to attend several of his senior leadership teams meetings when I wasn't a direct report of his. And that gave me incredible exposure. And that's helped me a lot today as I transitioned into the CEO role. And, you know, Serge, uh, Serge Rivera, impactful, you know, he really helped me consider making the move to the franchise space, which put some experiences in my bag of tricks that I wouldn't have otherwise had and helped pave the way for, for some other opportunities. You touched on the female leadership. You know, one of the things I respected a lot about Starwood was when I was, when I was a young leader coming up, I, I had a number of women in senior roles to look up to and that I, you know, I could see a path for myself, you know, because I looked up and saw people like Denise Call people like Sue Brush when she was running Weston, people like Christy Hicks when she was running all of, of global sales, Lynn Doherty when she was running franchise and it was the largest and fastest growing area of the business. You know, Carla Murray running one of the big super regions as a senior vice president. So lots of, lots of female role models along the way. And then I think I, I have to always give thanks to the wonderful, I call them blue ribbon teams and blue ribbon is because, you know, it means you're winning. And I've had so many incredible, incredible teams. And, you know, none of our jobs is a one man job or a one woman job. That's not what leadership's all about. So I have to give thanks. And there's way too many people I've had, I've had the pleasure to work with. So I can't name names, but like those blue ribbon teams. And then also some awesome assistants. I call them business partners. I've had some really phenomenal assistance along the way. So, so lots to give, lots of people to give thanks to. I know I've missed some, you know, a lot of names too. And then I got to say, you know, my family. So my husband, Tom, my daughter, Val, you know, Valerie, 
Valerie had, you know, uh, had a, a working mom the whole time she was growing up and all moms work, I guess, but I was balancing working at home and working outside of the home. And, you know, so I think, you know, thanks to her and then my husband, Tom, who has been super supportive and, you know, really great partner to, to support both our family and, and my career. So gosh, I mean, Way too many people to give thanks to, but I'll well, that that but that's a great list, and and that's some awesome people in there, and you know, on one of the earlier calls, somebody said he had been lucky to be surrounded by a lot of good people, and and there is some aspect of truth to that, but I always said, you know, you work real hard at getting lucky, and you are an example of that. I've witnessed it firsthand, and I witnessed it from afar because Starwood was a big company, and Colleen Keating's name was always out there as a leader on the go. So when when I was fortunate enough to be asked to join your team, I uh, jumped on it. And that was a lot of fun. And we had, you know, I think that was a pretty, uh, to your point, a blue ribbon team it I think we had there. Yep. So that was a lot of fun. So, well, listen, I know you're extremely busy and I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time today to share your story. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a it's a great story for for you. It's a great story for all the women out there that aspire to be CEOs and you are able to show them a path to get there through hard work and smarts and, and gumption. So, and I think too, like we got to give credit when somebody takes a chance on us too. Right. mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I have to thank like the, the folks that our sponsor for first key homes is Cerberus. I have a wonderful board, a super supportive board. Uh, I started here and the pandemic hit like three weeks later. Um, And, you know, the folks at Cerberus have been wonderful. My board has been wonderful. And, you know, they took a chance on a first time CEO too. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, giving people opportunities. So, you know, I'm grateful for that too. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. I know, you know, looking back when, when Rick Sewell and Dave Milas suggested I join that new build team. And, you know, I've always said the running joke is I don't know the difference between a flathead and a Phillips screwdriver. So I don't know why they would have thought I could deal with construction companies, but Hey, at the end of the day, it worked out. Okay. So definitely. Well, listen again, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Great to reconnect and very exciting to see how successful you're doing and how great you're doing down there in Atlanta. Keep it up. And, and uh, congratulations well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks, um, thank you. Thank you, Brian, for, you know, the opportunity to spend some time with you this morning. Oh, my pleasure. So, well, as I always say, and I always end these, if it's Tuesday, who have you thanked today? So everybody go thank someone and have a great day. And thanks so much, Colleen. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show today. And thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career, please reach out to me via our Tuesday Thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com. Remember, a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day. So until next time, be well, be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.